good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it might be, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Paulson. Joining me, as always, the intrepid Mark A. Johnston. Mark, Hey, welcome. don't call me intrepid, man. I don't know what it means. Anyway, great to be here. How's it going? I, I will call you Shirley. Okay. okay. <laughs> that went that probably went right over the head of many of our younger listeners. Yeah. Do we have younger listeners? Right on. Uh, oh yeah, the spectrum. The oh, spectrum. that's true. Okay. Uh so uh as usual, Mark, I like to give you the option of talking about baseball history, which we have done somewhat successfully for 38 previous episodes, or we can talk about another subject uh which I have just randomly come up with. And this week, uh, we can talk about baseball history or we can just sing Baby Shark for the next hour. Oh, man. You know, usually I struggle with these decisions. This is an easy one. We're going to... S- now we're going to talk about baseball. I got to tell you. So first of all, we, we need to apologize for it to everybody. We are a couple of days late. Usually our episodes drop on Tuesday. We made mention last week we might be late this week. I did have the opportunity to uh, work the World Series games in D.C. So I've been gone for a little bit. But I got to tell you... It Baby Shark might be a little bit annoying to some people, but when you are in a you know a stadium of forty thousand people and like they're all doing it, it's actually pretty cool. I enjoyed seeing it. It was an experience. Maybe if it was another song, I I could get into it. I just I I puzzled by the bizarre uh, attachment to this. Basically, it's a repetitive little silly song. Yeah, well, I mean, you you know the background as to why Para walks up to that. No, song. I get it. I I understand. Yeah. I think I think it's because it is a simple and repetitive song. That's what makes it so. And, you know, it's a kid's song, and he did it for his yeah. kids. I think that's what makes it, what has made it so popular. I mean, if it was like, if it was a Kanye song, I, I don't <laughs> think, <laughs> I don't think people are doing it, but it's fun. It's something you don't see in other sports. Because one, there's no walk-up music in other sports it's a very unique and individual part of the game you don't see it this kind of stuff in other sports so i think it's pretty cool yeah i mean i'll give you that i'm just i I don't have any kids i don't know anything about children i hear baby shark and i go please get that away from me uh so you know but and you're an astro and i'm an (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean i again let me just say i've only seen it on television you've been there so you know a whole lot more about it than i do they love it. It is everywhere. They're, they've got everyone in the city doing it. They've got merchandise. It's it's a thing. It's it's a localized like Macarena type situation. Is it? Is it? Would you compare it to the Rally Monkey at all in popularity? Oh, I think it's more popular than that. I mean, the Rally Monkey, the Rally Monkey was a thing at the Angels, but it wasn't a thing where everybody in the stadium had a Rally Monkey type, you know, stuffed animal. Right. Only about half. Poor Marcel. That that was Marcel from Friends. Was it really? It. I'm, <laughs> you think we can get him on the show? I don't want to be species a speciesist. Is that the word? Where I think every whatever those monkeys are called looks alike. But I'm fairly certain that that was Marcel from Friends. Yeah. It... Oh, so we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we do want to talk about the, the current World Series because it's freaking entertaining and it's stuff that is making baseball history first though mark we do need to get into a session of kangaroo court first of all 
which is never. You've never warned me. Don't want you to be a no-show. Need to make sure you're here first. So last week, we were talking about the coaching staff of the Nashville Sounds. I said Greg Gagne was the bullpen coach, (laughs) not Eric Gagne. That would be interesting if Greg was. (laughs) It was. So first of all, I'm going to have to fine you for not picking that up during the interview. Okay. Uh, well, I assume that, you know, longtime twin shortstop Greg Gagne could no doubt handle the bullpen. It was, in fact, the Dodgers closer, Eric Gagne, yeah. who was the bullpen coach. Yeah. Well, you know, and and I thought for a while, I thought it was the, the pro wrestler. What was his name? Vern? Vern yeah. Gagne. Yeah, very nice. I thought nice. he was Good the uh, pitching coach, but I, I looked it up. And he's, <laughs> I mean, they would have been tough if no. you charged them out on Vern Gagne's boys. You don't want to do that. So let's let's talk about the World Series here real quick. Uh, we are recording this before Game 7. Game 7 starts in about two and a half hours. We couldn't wait to talk about it. Uh, we're a little bit late, so we wanted to at least get this episode out. I'm sure we'll talk about Game 7 in our next episode. But this has been a unique series. It's like you don't want to play at no. home. It's bizarre. It really is. No such thing as a home field advantage. I mean, the Nationals in those three games in Washington looked looked awful. I mean, they were never really oh, in the game. No, it looked like, to me, it was like the, the dominant Astros had come back. But then uh, yesterday's game happened, game six. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, what was really interesting when I was in Washington is everybody, you know, going in was like, oh, the Astros aren't that good. You know, they're overrated. Of course, I mean, these are national sure. fans saying it, but even people that I work with there at the, at the Nats, and then the first two games happened, and they're like, wow, this team's really good. And I keep, had to keep reminding myself that, you know, you and I, especially being AL guys and AL West guys, we see the Astros all season yes. long, too much. Yes. We know how good they are. But just like I didn't know how good the Nationals are, because I don't, I don't often watch Nationals right. games. It's just, you know, coming from two different worlds. So I've just, you know, I was imparting what I could upon, you know, these Nats fans that, yeah, you know, this team is good. They usually that lineup one to nine, mm-hmm. you know, when there's a DH, like any of those guys can hit a home run without even blinking. Right. And and like you say, we didn't know how good the Nats were because we don't follow National League Baseball as close. We yeah, don't we don't. I mean, Anthony Rendon is fun. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Juan Soto, I mean, I didn't know, I knew he was good. I didn't know how good he was. Uh, you know, some of these guys, uh, you, you know, I, Victor Robles, oh, yeah. I just heard that name. I guess he's up for a gold glove as a he's rookie. He's unbelievable out there. He, he takes some weird routes to balls, but he catches them. matters. <laughs> Did it go in the mitt? Then it's good. Yeah. Don't yeah. So I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about Juan Soto in particular. Because he's kind of, he's very divisive, not divisive. uh, What's the phrase I'm looking for? Where you either love him or you hate him. Divisive? Yes. His antics in the box. I am really, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, let the kids play, play loud, all that. I'm all for it. But I'm having a hard time with after every pitch having those, those antics. And yes, call me a boomer. Go ahead, get it out of your system. But I'm a Ricky Henderson fan, so I know all about antics in the box and in the field, but after every pitch, it's a little bit grating, I have to admit. Uh, (laughs) What I found weird, though, was, you know, in the NLCS against Adam Wainwright, he didn't do any of those things. 
And they asked him, and he said it was out of respect for Adam Adam Wainwright. So why is he doing it against Justin Verlander right. and uh, Garrett Cole and, and Zach Greinke? Does he not have respect for them? I, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know what he's thinking, but uh, I, I would have a lot of respect for those guys personally. Yeah, but dude, I mean, he can back it up. Oh, no, Soto no question about it. Really good. You know, guys like and, that... Uh, you know, eventually, well, I mean, we'll see how it pans out, but, you know, eventually those guys kind of mellow out generally. Yeah, I think I think he'll mellow. definitely. I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't mellow out too much, but no. I, I think, yeah, he'll 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 grow into the game a little bit more. I'm all for keeping some of the antics, maybe not after every pitch, you know, something that happened, obviously, in, in game six. There's the big call on first base which is a ridiculous rule with the running lane and and runner interference it was ridiculous they need to change that but i noticed you know right away when when alex Bregman carried his bat to first base uh, he has always carried his bat a good distance up the baseline mm-hmm. i've noticed it you know he carried it all the way to first base tried to hand it off to the first base <laughs> coach who it was, was like, like you know. that's what bat boys are for you know <laughs> I'm not getting paid that much, but you know, I always thought, and last time I read the rule book, I thought you were out if you carried your bat past a bag. And of course that came up. I reread every section of the rule book pertaining to this lot of discussion on Twitter. There is specifically nothing that says you cannot carry the bat with you, which is odd. Because I always thought, you know, in major league, I thought Serrano should have been called out at first because he carries the bat around the whole base. (laughs) Right. But okay, so Bregman does that. I have to admit, it, it kind of worked me up. I was like, that's not right. And then did you see Altuve's reaction when yes. he did it? Yeah. Oh, Altuve was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he knew that was probably not a good yeah, thing. He was like, um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and then I, I saw Strasburg was watching him. He followed him around the bag. I don't think he said anything, but he was giving him the stink yeah. eye. And then Soto comes up. And hits his bomb to the upper deck. And then he carried it to first, too, which at that point, then I then I got it. I'm like, okay, that's cool that he did that. I'm done with it. I'm fine with uh-huh. it. But then what bugged me was after the game, Bregman apologized for it. And then I got mad again. I'm like, don't apologize. <laughs> like, own it. Like, it, if that's the new thing, I would rather you do a bat flip or I like, you know, Tim Anderson's, you know, shoving it throwing the bat like he's throwing it in the fireplace or something. But my gosh, own it if that's the case. I Next time, if he could just like put it between his legs and ride it around like a stick horse, I'm fine with that now. <laughs> I'm all for it. But just don't apologize. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, we're on the same uh, page as, as as each other on this one. I, I, I'm, I'm more of a traditional. I don't care if you want to pump your fist after a home run, bat toss is cool. Wave to your dugout, stuff like that. But I'm not, I'm not into the whole gamesmanship thing. I, I just, and I never have been. That's how I was born. That's, I mean, how I was raised to play is you, you know, you hit a home run, you, you pump your fist, you run the bases. Um, I am absolutely from that same school. I enjoyed Rendon when he hit his home yeah, run after that, that quagmire at first base. Just put his yep. head down, acted like he'd been yep. there before. But I am all on board of getting kids in the game. Let them play. If carrying a bat around the base is what it takes to get you excited and into the game, I'm here for it. I, it I'm with you. It is not how I 
was brought up and my initial reaction was to get angry and say that's not right but then i had to remind myself i want i want people to have fun this is i didn't hit it i'm yeah. not throwing the pitch let them no do i it. get where you i get definitely where you're coming from um a question for you though if the pitcher plunks the guy because of it is that wrong Yes, it is. So the batter, because well, you're, you can get injured that way. There's, I mean that, and that's where I think the line has to be drawn, and that's why pitchers, fine, go out there, pump your fist, yell at the batter, whatever, but you can't throw a baseball ninety miles per hour at somebody. That's dangerous. Well, yeah. Carrying the bat around the bag isn't dangerous <laughs> unless you're going to club the first baseman on the way. Right. And well, as Sandy Koufax said, you know, why would I waste four pitches when I can put a guy on first base with one? Yeah, no, I, I mean, and this is good. It's good to have different opinions here. I, I understand coming from the same school that you came from, that that's not the way baseball was played when. Yeah. When we started getting into the game. But I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to evolve and, and get on board. And I. I, I think that's the way that baseball is going to draw more fans is, you know, after a dunk in the NBA, the guy celebrates after a touchdown, guys are getting to celebrate and, and stuff. And I don't think you can expect kids these days to do what Rendon did, which, again, I really love that he just ran and, you know, acted like he'd been there before. But I don't think that's the way that this game grows. So No, interesting points. I I. Div- I got tons of respect for Rendon. I thought that was just awesome because I feel like I hope that's what I would have done, except I probably would have been a little more excited, but I thought that was just very professional how he did it. And, and, and like I said, I don't mind, you know, the antics of, of Soto and so on. It, it kind of annoys me. It, uh, I would rather not see it than see it. That's just the way it's not a huge deal, but I just lean that direction. All right. I, I, I mean, this is the way baseball fans right. are. I think, I think it's, I think it's half yeah. and half. A couple of anniversaries as we watch the World Series that are that are very unique anniversaries. First of all, of course, it's the 100 year anniversary of the Black Sox oh, scandal. Yes. It was 1919. The uh, Chicago White Sox allegedly threw the series to the Cincinnati Reds. There's a lot going on behind the scenes of this scandal. A lot, and I've learned a ton recently. Uh, I'm reading an incredible book called Scandal on the South Side. Mm. And it is, by the way, it is free if you're a Sabre member. Oh, yeah. I am a, I am a, I'm a Sabre member, and, and they give away a free book every month, but there's a huge library of free baseball books that are absolutely incredible that you can download for free if you're a member. So I would, I would recommend, if you enjoy baseball and baseball history, that that uh, is well worth it to join, uh, join your local chapter. But I've been reading it, about this scandal and I listened to another podcast about it and you know the clubhouse was really divided between class between the educated and the non-educated but then both of those sides were also on the same side against Charles Comiskey who was this cheap owner who really did not like his players at all beyond calling it the Black Sox scandal because it was a black mark on the game one of the other great explanations I saw for the reason they called it the Black Sox scandal was because Charles Comiskey wouldn't pay to get their uniforms. I've heard that too, yeah. <laughs> so the players would go out there with dirty uniforms. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Charles Comiskey was the very well-known cheapskate, skinflint kind of uh, Yeah. Just did not care so much about others, uh, about the ball players and so on. It was he loved baseball, but he he didn't respect the players, unfortunately. 
they were a, a, a means to the end. He, he wanted to win. He wanted that, you know, that cachet. But yeah, he did not like his play. He paid them eventually okay. And it was funny. After, after 1919, he actually paid better. But yeah, it's some really interesting. So that's a great book to check out. Uh, scandal on the south scandal side. Scandal on the south side. You know what? That sounds me. I read Eight Men Out, but uh, I have not read Scandal. Yeah, this is so Eight Men Out is very dated, very yeah. dated, and this book has information that's just been uncovered in the last couple of years. So I, I would really, really recommend checking yeah. it out. Also, fifty years ago, it's it's the anniversary of the '69 Miracle Mets. Oh, Nolan Ryan, where the where the Mets, yeah, a very young very. Nolan Ryan in his third year. Yeah. Uh, the Mets beat the Orioles, the, and the Mets, you know, had only been in the league for seven years, had struggled to finish anywhere other than the cellar, and they an incredible season, and they they beat the Orioles in five. That's games. another great story, yeah. And who knows, maybe we will be talking about in 50 years from, well, we probably won't be because we'll be. No, I'm going to live to be 134. That's the plan. Wow. (laughs) I was not aware that you were (laughs) that old. Retirement is savings. It's got to be through the roof for me. I I know what working uh, working for a major league club really pays well when you're not the GM. That's right. Or a player. A couple of other things. So Wax Packs Heroes, big uh, segment on our show. I threw it out there on social media and threw a link. There is a video on the interwebs of Ricky Henderson playing a version of Wax Packs Heroes. No way. With, uh, with a guy from Yahoo Sports. Brought him a couple of packs of old baseball cards and they opened them and went through some of the players that they pulled. And, you know, Ricky being Ricky had some great things to say about those players they open packs and talk about the players that sounds familiar novel concept (laughs) they did not they did not put value on it though so nor did they give extra points for facial hair oh yeah that's another bonus i'll throw that link in the show notes again if you didn't see it uh, on twitter also and again i apologize this bp is a little bit long but it's been longer since we've talked so i've got i've got it's all good man it might be an all bp show I found a really cool link that, again, I will put in the show notes. It is from a website, a blog called Words Above Replacement. So you can tell right there it's a baseball Mm -hmm. uh, reference site. Not a baseball reference. That's a different site that I go to every day, but it's about baseball. This is a great guide for information on streaming any baseball league in the world. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, it's got MLB TV, MILB TV, tells you, you know, the price, where to go, blah, blah, blah. But it tells you about the Korean League, the Japanese League, the Australian League, uh, any tournament like that. It's got all the information. Some of these leagues stream their their games for free. You know, some of these smaller leagues, they just want people to see it. Really a great uh, source, a resource for, especially in the winter, you know, in the off season here. There are a lot of leagues, you know, in the in the Caribbean, the Australian leagues starting up soon. Huh. It's a way to watch actual live baseball. In fact, I think the Cuban league is offering the second half of their season for free. Really? That's good baseball. Yeah, I mean, there's just some really cool things. So, I'll, again, I'll throw that in the show notes so you can you can hit that up and maybe you know help you watch some live baseball during That's the off season. Exciting news, logo wise. I don't know if you've heard this. I just saw this. I think it just broke yesterday. The Brewers have a new logo next year, a new primary logo. No, really? 
they are returning to the glove and wow. ball logo. That's a legendary Full logo. Time. That's awesome. It is. Now, it's a little bit different. The colors are updated. It's a little bit darker blue, darker gold. The one thing I don't like about it is they've got a, not a word mark, but it says Milwaukee and Brewers kind of above and below it, mm-hmm. which I don't like particularly. I, I would rather just see the glove. I mean, I'm sure on the jersey and the hat, it'll just be the glove and the ball, but it's a little bit updated look. A little bit, there's, a, there's some subtle differences in it, but again, they're going back to a classic, what I think I named as my all-time favorite logo in baseball. I believe history. you did, yes. So. Very excited cool. about that. The last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into our debut segment, you know my disdain for alternative jerseys uh, in the No. Playoffs. Yes, I do. And anybody that follows us here or on social media knows of that. Well, the Nationals, of course, have been wearing their alternative jerseys throughout the playoffs. Again, we are recording this about two and a half hours before Game 7, and I have just seen coming across on the Twitter machine that the Astros are going to go with their orange uniforms for tonight. Hmm. So game seven of a World Series, and you've got two softball teams. Wow. Wow. I am not happy. I am not happy at all. So in 50 years, like I said, when when people are celebrating the anniversary of this World Series, they're going to look, and some team's going to be, you know, dejected, walking off the field or in the dugout. And another team's going to be piling on on the pitcher's mound, and they're going to be wearing either a all blue or an all orange uniform. Yep, that's apparently what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> not, not good. <laughs> the playoffs, absolutely home whites, road grays, no ifs ands or buts. Interesting how we switch off between traditionalist and non traditionalist. Yeah, well, and, and I love the DH. Yeah, see, I, I'm actually I've I've been one over my my father. Uh, in eternity is not happy with me, but I, I do like the DH as well. I am a huge DH fan. Is, and you know, just watching those games in DC. Yes, I know there's more strategy involved. Yes. I don't care. <laughs> I want to see I want to see your Don Alvarez in the lineup every game, Absolutely. please. Uh one other thing, one quick note I uh, wanted to mention while I was in DC, I got to go and hang out with Patty and Potty Mouth, the two hosts from one of my other favorite baseball podcasts, the No Crying in Baseball podcast. Oh, nice. That was super cool. They came and met me at a pub. They are huge national fans. They do a great job. They're very entertaining uh, over at the the No Crying in Baseball podcast, and it was great to get to sit down and finally meet them. We talk all the time on Twitter. It, it was great to get to to meet some uh, some other fans of the game like that. So I want to give a shout out to them. And if you have not had a chance to listen to their, uh, to their podcast, please do so. I'll please check out the show notes. I put a lot of stuff in there. All right. So let's get into our final BP segment. This is our debut segment. So a little bit tricky because we are recording this on October 30th, but you're not going to get to hear this at the earliest until October 31st. But I am going to pretend like it's the 30th because I did this uh, yesterday. I decided to go with birthdays for today because there were too many good ones. So I'm going to talk about people who celebrated a birthday on October 30th. First of all, in 1867, Ed Delahante was born on this day. <laughs> all right, Ed. 
So if you have not listened to our episode, I think it was one or two episodes ago about Big Ed Delahante, please go and listen to it. He was a fascinating dude, met with a really tragic and odd end, but very interesting. And a Hall of Famer, the Mike Trout of the 1890s. So please go and uh, and listen to that. This was the, the big one I wanted to cover. Born in 1962 on October 30th, Danny Tartable. Oh, the great Danny Tartable. The bull. T-bull. So he came up with the Mariners, spent a year or two there. I remember him from yep. the Royals more than anybody. I think he appeared, I think he, he was on the Yankees He was because too. he appeared in a Seinfeld as a Yankee. He appeared in two Seinfeld episodes as a That's Yankee. That's right, now that I think of it. Yes. So the first episode was entitled The Chaperone where George famously replaces the polyester Yankee uniforms with cotton Cotton ones. Cotton is gay. (laughs) It's a great idea. And the Yankees love it. They they feel so good in these uniforms until they start to wash them and then they shrink. (laughs) And then disaster happens. Buck Showalter also in this episode. That's right. Buck loves me. That's a story for another another day, but... Buck tried to call me one time, and fortunately, somebody stopped him. So we'll talk about that another time. Uh, and then the the second episode was entitled The Pledge Drive, right. in which uh, George is tasked with driving Danny Tartable to a PBS pledge drive yes. uh, when he thinks another driver is giving him the finger. Right. He, he holds so up he takes hand, off after and he's like, him. You can't give us the finger? We're Yankees! We're New York Yankees! Upon catching up with him, they see that the driver is actually wearing a cast on his hand. Yes. And, you know, it looks like he's giving everybody the finger. This diversion takes too long and Danny misses the pledge yes. drive. It's funny because the character recognizes, is that Danny Tartable? I'd sure like to shake his hand, but I can't. <laughs> but did you know, and this is what we do here. This is a deep dive into the Danny Tartable pop culture machine. He also appeared on an episode of Married with Children in 1994. Okay, I did not know that. With Brett Saberhagen, our oh, favorite no way. white Midwest nice. rapper. Uh, apparently, this was during the strike. So they had a bunch of uh, baseball players <laughs> working, you know, just normal jobs on this. And they take uh, Brett Saberhagen is uh, delivering pizzas. <laughs> and he apparently comes in with a name tag that says Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then uh, Danny Tartable is playing a security, a night security card. <laughs> but I got the actual script of this episode, and I have to read you the stage direction because this is classic. It says Danny Tartable of the Oakland Astros oh. enters dressed as a security card. So they didn't really have a great baseball consultant on the script, is what I'm. Thinking. No, they really yeah. didn't. All right, so that that was a that was a prolonged BP, but like I said, I I had things that I couldn't wait to tell everybody, so it, it went a little bit long. I apologize. Uh, so we're gonna let the ground screw come out and uh, drag the infield, wet it down, chalk everything. There you go. And uh, we are going to because this has been such a crazy week. We are going to jump into a always popular tales from the dugout type of show where we've got a couple of. Stories that don't uh, don't really uh, last that long, so they're not full episodes. But we like to talk about some weird stuff that we found in the past. Mark, do you want to uh, you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, I was. This is kind of funny. I I know that people binge watch different shows. 
I have done so in the past. I've been watched, binge watched uh, the first three seasons of Game of Thrones, and then I had to catch up to it and watch it uh, like one episode at a time, which was brutal. Uh, I've binge watched uh, Breaking Bad. My latest binge watching is old Twilight Zone shows. So I've been binge watching the Twilight Zone season one. I'm still in because there's like 37 episodes. Episode 35 is a baseball episode. Really? Yeah. It's called Casey at the Bat. Uh, or actually, it's called The Mighty Casey, uh, named after yeah, you know, the poem. Um, the Mighty Casey is actually, it's kind of funny. The basic plot is there's a uh, scientist. He invents a pitching robot. It looks like a regular person because, you know, it is a regular person playing it. And <laughs> you mean they didn't get they didn't have Android technology at that point? Where I they think could they have did, a... but they weren't using it. You know, at least not for television, for movies, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> they send him out there to pitch, and he just he's he's dominant. He strikes everybody out. Well, the league decides it's not he's not allowed to pitch because he's not human because he doesn't have a heart. So oh. the scientist figures out a way to give him a heart. Right. <laughs> you just pull one out of a person and stick it in there. Uh, it doesn't really work, but he's got they, a heart. They didn't show the surgery or anything. It, it was beating and everything like that. And so they said, okay, he's okay to pitch. So he goes up and, and he's been dominant all season. I'm really truncating this. And he, he gives up 14 runs in the first inning. And wow. They, and how did he last that long? Well, that's what I was. Where's the man? Who's the manager? I'm like, are you warming somebody up? You know, <laughs> but uh, what happened was, and, and this is the whole episode big joke of it is well i had a i have a heart now i just couldn't strike those guys out i don't want them to feel bad oh no it's like a family circus cartoon exactly it was a weird inning for a twilight zone right and i was like oh okay that's interesting but i decided to do a little bit of research on it It, and it's kind of oh by the way let me let me uh do this real quick in the opening narration he uh rod serling the creator of the twilight zone and the guy that always stood there going it's a dimension of light and sound. He says, we're back in time now where the Hoboken Zephyrs were still a part of the National League. And this mausoleum of memories was an honest to Pete stadium. So they're showing the stadium and it was the Hoboken, uh, the Hoboken Zephyrs that were the team represented there. And they were apparently, uh, according to the Twilight Zone universe, a, a National League, uh, Major League ball, ball team. So if you ever get a chance to go to Hoboken, check it out. Casey was the left-hander dominant pitcher played by a guy named Robert Sorrells. And Robert Sorrells you can find in a couple of other uh, movies, TV shows. He was in Fletch. Uh, he uh, was in Bound for Glory, did a lot of westerns and so on. Interesting, I bring him up, though, because I always seem to grab the tragic people in these stories. Robert Sorrells uh, ended up uh, committing murder and going to jail for the rest of his life. Kind of a sad ending there. Not the usual one. Usually they just get drunk and die of whatever, you know, that, that I'm reading. Consumption a lot of the time. But this guy, yeah, this guy died in jail. And an old man, age 88, after murdering somebody after being in the Twilight Zone baseball episode. So if you get a chance to watch the Twilight Zone baseball episode, it's uh, it's okay. But I did a little, little more research and found out Rod Serling was quite a big baseball fan. So that's kind of cool. Oh, was he a Dodger fan? Um, he was, he, um, but he grew up in a triple A or in a minor league city. I was going to say, well, I don't, I'm not sure of the exact years when, uh, when the twilight zone was on, but was, uh, were the Dodgers even in LA at that point? I, I'm not sure. I'm going to assume they were. I, um, he was actually born and raised in Binghamton, New York. They had a team called the Binghamton, Binghamton triplets. 
And they were called the triplets because they represented Binghamton, Johnson City, and Endicott, New York. Ah. So I know they've been a Mets, a Mets like double A yes. or something club for quite a while. They were at different times, class A, double A, class B. And but uh, Rod Sterling apparently grew growing up would uh, go to as many games as possible. Reminds me of me, uh, a little bit of an odd thinker and. Uh, well, the thinker, thinker, not so much you. Oh, but, that's a point. Yeah. Boy, I stepped in that one. Um, anyway, he so there were uh, three episodes where he brought in baseball uh, into uh, the Twilight Zone, and in and a couple of them, I read the short stories that they were based on. There was no baseball in the short stories. He just wanted to bring in baseball. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, good for him. Yeah, Rod Serling, Bonus baseball points. fan. You betcha. Now, one little side note I thought that was pretty amusing. In the book, uh, My Dad, Rod Serling, his daughter, Ann, writes, I thought this was pretty interesting. She says, Dad always listens to the radio, mostly to baseball games. And he slaps his open palm on the steering wheel when some exciting play is announced, and it startles my mother, and she jumps and shakes her head. That sounds familiar to me. And uh, says, my mom is not a sports fan. That's an expression my dad uses a lot. He calls people sports fan. Hello, sports fan. Good morning, sports fan. Uh-huh. How are you doing there, sports fan? This does not amuse my mother, but it does me. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to pass it back to you there, sports fan. All right. I want to talk about, a, a, this is a, a quick one. We'll, we'll, we'll get through this and then we'll open some baseball cards. Like I said, we, we had a very long batting practice today. Yeah. I want to talk about a double play combination that I'm sure you have heard of. The most famous double play combination in the history of the game. You want me to guess? But something I didn't know about Okay. some of the guys involved. Yeah. T- take a wild name. Well, actually, beyond who you're going to name, because there's no way you don't know <laughs> this. Name me another double play combination where you name all three the, the shortstop, the second baseman, and the first baseman. Well, of course, there's Trammell to Whitaker to some other guy. Yeah, to Fielder? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I jumped in. I wanted to answer the obvious question to look cool. So what? Yep. So what? Well, it's Tinker to Evers to Chance That's right. of the Chicago Cubs. And that Evers, by the way, is the, uh, is the Evers that won the Chalmers Award in 1914. <laughs> so... So if you're a regular listener, you know what the Chalmers Award is. If you yeah, don't, you sure do. go listen to it. We, we, we've got a lot of history knowledge if you want to go back through our backlog. So Some good stuff. 1905, two of the members of this immortal double play combination, Joe Tinker and Johnny Evers, started a feud that would cause them not to speak for the next 33 years, as I said. The transgression that caused this silence was apparently... Johnny Evers took a cab from a hotel to the ballpark and left his teammates behind. Oh, my gosh. Didn't want to travel with anybody else, just left on his own. So uh, actually, later that year in September, the two even engaged in a fist fight during a game on the field because of this transgression. (laughs) And then after that, they did not speak for 33 years. They continued to play together. They turned a heck of a lot of more double plays. They won two World Series and they didn't speak to each other. That's insane. Which I guess is 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 good because, you know, second baseman and shortstop, they communicate, you know, they'll put a glove up to their mouth and open or close close, mouth. That's that's all they need to do. All nonverbal. That's all they need. (laughs) So this feud ended in 1937. They reunited in Chicago for an old-timers game where there was a plaque dedication to the 
Frank Chance, the other part of their combination, who was also their player manager at that time, had passed away, and so they were dedicating a plaque. They saw each other in the lobby of the hotel, and they immediately went up and embraced, and, ever, you know, bygones be bygones, time heals all wounds, and they, they, they spoke, and they, I've got to assume, were friendly throughout the rest of their lives at that point. Good. But I had, I had no idea that there was such drama between the most famous double play combination. So that was an game. extreme transgression, taking a cab. Yeah, I know. I mean, just think about those, uh, what was it, those Yankee teams from the 70s where there'd be 25 different cabs outside of the, the clubhouse after every game because nobody wanted to be near each other. Right. <laughs> A lot of silence if that was the case there. But there you go. There you Something go. I did not know. Very interesting. All right, so that's going to do it for the main part of the show here. We're going to now jump into... Uh, one of our most popular segments. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, we, of course, made our debut of our video portion of Wax Packs Heroes last week. Uh, if you did not know, you can uh, now join us on YouTube and you can actually see the cards that we're talking about. Very exciting. A lot of people have been asking for that. Um, yeah, also, is, apparently, cool. I have watched way too much magic uh card magic throughout my my life because i noticed that while i was uh, handling the cards i looked like i was doing magic tricks with cards or i was a magician's assistant so i'm <laughs> going to try to keep my hands normal this time you have the look of a magician's assistant yeah i am no hand model i oh I, i'm fully aware of that so another seinfeld reference it wasn't george a hand model at some point he was he was and uh, he uh he he got burned by a uh, an iron, and it destroyed his hand, <laughs> hand modeling career. Maybe I should wear batting gloves during this part of the show. I don't know. Maybe we should have a Seinfeld segment. Jeez. Oh yeah, we've got we've got plenty of Seinfeld baseball to talk about. All right, so this week we are uh, opening packs of 1988 Don Russ. Oh sweet. Uh, more ugly Don Russ cards. Uh, they're cheap though. That's why we do right. them. <laughs> If somebody would sponsor us, if a card shop would sponsor us and send us some some better wax packs, we'd be happy to open them. That's right. Just saying. Uh, Mark, uh, I got two packs here, left and right. Which one uh, do you want? I have better luck with the right. All right. So you're, you're going to take the one on the right. I have got here my Beckett baseball card monthly from uh, May 1992. This is what we're using to get the prices from because they're actual prices that are worth something uh, versus using a current one. Uh, we have a couple of rules for this game. Commons are worth nothing. Uh, not worried about them. We instituted a couple of new rules last week, which I really liked. One, if the uh, player is sporting a mustache on the front of the card, they get a bonus cent. And if they're a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents yeah. as well. So I'm going to open up my Beckett baseball card here to uh, 1988 Don Russ. Very exciting. We will open up this wax pack. Opens nicely. Nothing sticking to the back this time. Very exciting. That's good. Yeah. And uh, we've got, who's this uh, uh, Stan Musial puzzle piece? Oh, yes. So we'll put that together with the rest of our stuff. Starting off with the middle infielder for the Atlanta Braves, Rafael Ramirez. 
Rafa, I don't remember him. I remember the name. I don't remember a whole lot about him, though. Uh, and uh, neither does Beckett at this time. That is a common. <laughs> I can't. That's a that's a long shot away. I can't really tell if he's wearing a mustache. Why do I keep saying wearing if he's uh, sporting a mustache think, or not? I think wearing a mustache is still proper English. All right. Well, we'll go with it. But that. he is sporting. So, we're going to we're going to go with nothing on that one. Next, outfielder for the Chicago Cubs, Jerry Mumphrey. Wow. Yeah, that was a while ago. Remember him a little bit. Again, National League not as knowledgeable. But uh he was on uh the Cubs channel, so I'm I, I'm surprised I don't remember him more. Well, he was also on the Astros for a couple of years. Jeez. Well, don't recall. And he was acquired for Billy Hatcher. Oh my goodness. So uh, Egg Hatcher. He was traded from the Cubs to the Astros for Billy Hatcher. Huh. So they got some value out of it. I guess so. Uh but that is a common, but he is wearing a a, a very stylish mustache. Of course. So that's one cent. Next we've got, all right, here's a, a name that we are familiar with. Rick Aguilera. Ah, classic. Yes. Rick Aguilera. Pitched for a long time. Does it say on the back how long he's so this was only his third year in the league okay. uh, i didn't know he came up with the mets when i think of rick aguilera yeah. i think mainly of the twins yeah that's all i think of but uh here he is uh clean shaven wearing uh in spring training with the mets but that is a common card all right here's a name i'm sure you will know a pitcher for the seattle mariners clean shaven ed nunez edwin nunez very nice yeah um Reliever, I think, or did he? Was he a starter and a reliever? It looks like uh, innings pitched. No, he was a reliever. Okay, at least at this point, five yeah. years into his career. I kind of remember that. Not extremely well, though. No, he had some uh, up and down years. Looks like nineteen ninety five or nineteen eighty five, a three oh nine ERA in seventy games well, with sixteen saves. Wow, so. that's that's definitely serviceable. Uh, but that is a common, and like I said, no uh, no facial hair. Yeah. Here's some strong facial hair from uh, Twins pitcher George Frazier. George, I am Frazier. unfamiliar with George Frazier. Yeah, I am too. Boy, this pack is a winner. <laughs> so far, we haven't heard of anybody. No, but I, I mean, this is some. That is a rough look there for George Frazier. It looks like he might have been out the night before. <laughs> That's a rough looking individual, but you do get one cent because he is wearing a mustache. Yes. Oh, here we go. One of my favorite Toronto Blue Jays of all time. We've mentioned him several times on this show. Garth Iorg. Garth Orge and his brother, Dane. Garth and Dane. So, Boy, those are some naming uh, uh, inventions that I'm not used to. Yeah. Now, I always thought that they were Canadian. Oh, they just... But they... they I mean, maybe it's just because I think of them as, as Blue Jays. Right. But they are from uh, from California. They just, they, yeah, I, I always think of them on the Blue Jays. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I never really put together. I kind of guess I kind of thought they might be Canadian, too. That's kind of funny. Wow. In 1985, he hit 313 in 131 games. Wow. Wow. And he was uh, selected by the Blue Jays from the Yankees in the AL expansion draft in 1976. Interesting. So he's got a 5 o'clock shadow going on there, but no... No actual uh, mustache. You are and, the uh, he is he is a common, <laughs> and everybody can see everything now. We're 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 on the up and up. All right, 
here we go with the Don Russ Kings card. Remember these? Sure. These are the artistic uh, headshots, and then there's a little, a little pick, uh, another drawing of them uh, in action. This is of Dodgers at this point pitcher Bob Welch. Oh yeah, Bob Welch. He was a Dodger back then, wasn't he? Yeah, the late Bob Welch. He came, um, uh, he came in Oakland A later on and uh, did yeah, quite well. That's where I think of him, but that is a common. All right, next. Oh, here we go. We've talked about this guy a lot. A cannon right field Jesse for the Barfield. Toronto Blue Jays. There you go. It was just his birthday the other day, too. I love it. He's an in, interesting follow on Twitter. Yeah. He's got Yeah, he's got a mustache. Yeah. Always had a mustache. Yep. But this card is, according to this, back at a common. Hmm. That's disappointing. <laughs> so you're, you're rolling up the cash like I normally do. You're oh, at three cents. I'm rolling is right. Uh, oh, this is this is funny. Guess what shortstop from the Minnesota Twins that we've already talked about today? I just pulled <laughs> Greg Gagne. You got it. <laughs> Clean shaven, Greg Gagne. 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 It's it's not even pronounced the same. I just, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna double your fine for not well, picking that up. I just thought you pronounced it different. <laughs> I thought you had one of those Oakland accents. <laughs> oh, Gregory Carpenter Gagne. From uh, oh he's from Minnesota and played most of his career there. I, I've got some Greg Gagne stories that are pretty amusing. I I had the opportunity to drive him around one night. He's a funny guy. Oh good. Well we'll uh, definitely need to listen to those. He's considered a common though. All right. Oh here we go. Here's a good card. Uh, I believe we had him last week as well. Outfielder for the New York Mets, Daryl Strawberry. The straw man. Ah, uh, that would be, let's see, what was his rookie year, 85, 86? 83. 83. Okay, so we're down yeah. the line five years. Uh, so this card is worth 10 cents. Was, That's a decent pull. No mustache, though. Yeah. All right, so there's your first Yay. your first big, it's a solo home run right there. Yay. Uh, oh, here we go. Now, that is a mustache that I can, I can get on board with right here. John Moses, outfielder for the Mariners. <laughs> Johnny Moses. Nobody knows about John Moses except the Pacific Northwest. He uh, and his mom. And his, his mom. Uh, probably, most likely. In Tempe, Arizona, his mom's like, yeah, I know. Him. Yeah, Johnny Moses. Yeah, he was. He was not a bad little ball player. Uh, a lot of years with the Mariners. Here came up in '83. Of course, this is an '88 card. Looks like he was kind of a fourth outfielder type. Yes. That is one cent for the strong stash. Here we go. Uh, next, we've got. Oh, here we go manager for the uh, Washington Nationals at this point outfielder for the Cubs clean shaven Dave Martinez Look at that an old Dave Martinez card now very uh, timely su- yeah very very uh, successful manager obviously yeah that uh, is a uh, a common card though but that's kind of cool uh next we've got mustachioed first baseman for the Atlanta Braves Gerald Perry nice Yep. I, I remember him being a Braves first baseman. I could I can't remember anything about him actually playing, but was he the the um right handed equivalent of Sid Bream? Uh well he bats left. So I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> uh but he throws right, which is kinda odd for a first baseman. He's the opposite of Ricky. Yeah. That that is really weird that you would be a first baseman and you bat right and throw left. Yeah. I guess I should check. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a comment. Yep. 
but he does get one cent for the stash. All right, your second to last card is a mustachioed pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, Mike Lacoste. Mike Izod Lacoste. Very nice. Oh, I had not heard that one. Yes. That works. Not uh, came up with the Astros, spent a year with the Royals, and then two years at the Giants at this point. Uh, a starter. And it uh, looks like he's probably bottom of the bottom of the order, bottom of the rotation. Yeah, but, probably. Uh, I don't remember a lot about him except for the nickname, Izod Lacoste. <laughs> he gets you one cent, though, right. with the mustache. There you go. And then your final card is uh, probably not going to help you a whole lot. The clean-shaven John Cangelosi. Mm. Pittsburgh Pirates. Wow. You know, if I'd have gotten that pack back in 88, I'd have been really angry. You know, I remember this pack. I, I, you know, this the the blue borders with the kind of red bars. Oh yeah, I remember these cards very well. I had a lot of these cards. Me too. <laughs> back in nineteen eighty. In eighty eight, man, you wanted that Greg Jeffries. He was oh, I had plenty of star. Them. Yeah, I have plenty of them. Yeah, I stocked up on Greg Jeffries rookie cards and uh, have bought several houses. Yeah, with, uh, with the those panned out. With, he actually ended up being yeah. a darn good ball player. Uh, Greg, yeah, you know, he had a very, he had a very long career. Yeah. So, looking at your pack here, I would say Daryl Strawberry is clearly your your best card. Yeah, Jesse Barfield was there as well. I can't find your Strawberry card. The great but, right fielders. So there you go. So your uh, your total though is sixteen cents. And and John Moses, three great right fielders. <laughs> 16 so sixteen cents. cents. Oh, man. not your. Not your strongest pack. Can he hold on to the lead? All right, so we're going to open up my pack Let's now. Pack Greg Jeffries rookie. <laughs> Another piece of the puzzle. And, oh, we're starting out strong. Right fielder for the Cincinnati Reds. This is not him kicking a ball to the infield, but it is Paul O'Neill, now a Yankees broadcaster. That's right. Paul O'Neill, known for having never taken a called strike that was accurate. Because he argued every single one. Yeah, he did. He was he was a bad temper too, didn't he? He did. He just had a scowl about him. I don't know. He had a good arm, had a rocket arm, mm-hmm. and had hit for a lot of power. Yeah, he was a good ball player. He just, just always had this this permanent frown on his face. Uh, that is worth four cents. Lucky. Though. So I will take I will take that. Now here is a uh, gentleman that I can't stand uh, personally. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer, though, and he is wearing a mustache. Goose Gossage. Oh, boy, that gets you some points right there. Yeah, so there's six points before we even... And this card might be a common at this point, but he's at least worth six points for those two facts. He is with the Padres at this point. And this is... I liked these Padres uniforms. It's the brown and orange mm-hmm. with the pinstripes. I didn't oh, mind yeah. those. Those are nice. I agree. I'm with you on that one. Uh, yep, and that's a common card at this point, but I do get six cents for the uh, the Hall of Fame and the mustache. So I am uh, I've already equaled your Daryl Strawberry card. Yeah, I'm six. Oh, oh, be still, my heart. This card will only be worth one cent because he's wearing a mustache. But one of my all time favorite common utility infielders, Rick Shue. Rick, really big shoe. Very nice, man. Oh, I love Rick Shue. And I'll tell you why I love Rick Shue. The 1987 Tops card of Rick Shue is one of my favorite baseball cards of all time. 
He is in the uh, road baby blue Phillies outfit. Uh, outfit. Uh, that is embarrassing. <laughs> Uniform. <laughs> it's outfit. The heck. Uh, his uniform and he's uh, his knee he's filthy he's been sliding in the dirt and his knee his pants are ripped he's got his jersey unbuttoned a little bit he just looks so cool and I absolutely love that card and I've loved Rick's shoes since then (laughs) that is a common card but I do get one cent for that sweet sweet mustache Uh, next we've got outfielder for the Astros Gerald Young very young looking Gerald Young. This is a rookie card, as a matter of fact. Yes, Gerald Young, 88, would have been his rookie. Yeah, he uh, didn't play forever, but uh, he was uh, very well known for his defense and speed. Yeah, so 87 was his rookie year. He appeared in 71 games, stole 26 bases, and hit 321. Yeah, not bad. He was, look, look, so he was acquired, he was traded by the Mets to the Astros for Mitch Cook and Ray Knight. Oh, wow. That's how Ray Knight so, got to uh, the Mets. Mr. Nancy Lopez. Yeah. But that is uh, nothing there. No mustache, no value. Next, we've got Ricky Horton, pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Boy, I barely remember I, that. Yeah, I barely remember the name, but wow, look at these uh, Look at these numbers. He was a, looks like he was kind of a, a long reliever, middle reliever, paired in anywhere between 40 and 60 games, but topped 100 innings in three of the four years wow. on this card. And his ERA was right around three, either the low twos or the mid threes for every year. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. But that is a common and no mustache. Uh, here's a good mustache. Ray Searage, pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. I believe he's a pitching coach or has been now. Sounds familiar, yeah. Ray Searage. He might have even been on our coach's uh, show. He might still be kicking around. Not worth anything, but he does have a really thick mustache. So, Almost a two-point. Bordering on two cents. Yeah. Bordering on two cents, but we'll stick with one. Uh, next, we've got uh, Johnny Ray, infielder for the uh, California at that time Angels. He is sporting a mustache. Uh, I'm going to guess that's probably going to be the only value. Yeah. I remember I remember Johnny Johnny Cornelius Ray. Nice. And he was with the Pirates for a long time, as I can see here. Led the league in doubles with 38 two years in a row. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed that. Wow. So far in his career here, double-wise, 38, 38, 33, 33, 30. It's, it's a downward trend, but yeah. it's... it's <laughs> a trend nonetheless. Imp- started, a trend strong. nonetheless. Yeah. All right. So there's one cent for the mustache. Uh, Next, we've got Greg Harris, pitcher for the Rangers, wearing a mustache. Some good numbers here in his first couple of years. But uh, I'm going to guess that's not worth much. Probably not. Boy, both of our packs have all been right around the same uh, in the 420s in terms of the number of the card. (laughs) They're all right in one area of, of the Beckett. But that is one cent. So I am right now it is 16 to 14 and I've got about five cards left. I'm in trouble. No mustaches. No mustaches. And I've just put you away. Oh, man. Rated rookie. No, it's not Sam Horn, which uh, the Sam Horn rookie is only worth five cents. Mr. Mark Grace. Oh, that's a good card. That is. So that is worth 60 cents. Oh, man. This is a blowout. Yeah, again, another blowout. No mustache, but 
Wow, that's a good card. He was a, you know, really great for the Cubs, obviously, yeah. and then finished that with the Ast or the Astros with the Diamondbacks. Went on to be their uh, color guy on TV. Had some problems off the field. I believe he is now hosting their uh, kind of their pre and post game show. I think he's back on TV in in Phoenix. But that's a good card. Absolutely, left hand. Never wore batting gloves. That's right. Yeah, never wore batting gloves. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. Good for you. For you, Mark Grace. Uh, next, I remember this guy, Randy St. Clair. Sure. Just because of his last name. Yes. Pitcher for the Expos. No mustache. No uh, no value, according to Beckett. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Okay, now I've got some stuff on this guy. Outfielder for the uh, Oakland Athletics, Luis Bologna. Oh, <laughs> oh I knew Luis uh, when he was with Tacoma back when I was young. Yeah, I guess we probably don't want to talk too much about Luis Polonia. No. Other than being a baseball player. He's a ball player, and he used a really huge glove and didn't have the best arm. Oh, yeah. Boy, did he ever. That glove, because he wasn't he wasn't a big guy. No. Luis Polonia, 5'8", 155. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember that glove when he had it on his hand and kind of when it was by his side, you know, just hanging down, it was below his knees. Like, it was like looked like a highlight, you know, uh whatever they call those that you throw the highlight ball with. Yeah. Just I, huge. I always wondered if that was a legal glove. Just... It wasn't. Because remember, I don't know if they still have these same rules, but there was a certain, you know, length of glove that outfielders were not permitted to have beyond, or you, you know, you could get busted. Like if you're you loaded a bat or something, but yeah, it was one of those things that nobody ever really called anybody on. Just like in hockey, nobody rarely, you know, has goes and measures the curve in your stick because it can't sure. beyond be beyond a certain curve. Nobody actually ever really called anybody on that, but it was huge. I remember that. Yep. Uh, that is worth 10 cents too. Wow. Oh, wow. But yeah, the, he had some, yeah, some, some issues. Off issues the field. Uh, you yeah. can Google it. If you really family want. show, we're not going to get into it. Oh boy. You've just given me some great packs lately, whether or not this card is worth anything. He is mustachioed, and he is Steve Balboni oh my of the God. Kansas City Royals. Steve Balboni, close your eyes and swing as hard as you can. Boy, you know, he looks like he could be a great wrestler, professional wrestler. <laughs> he did have that look, didn't he? He's a big, burly guy. Look at He's got a burly chest. He's got some big arms, big mustache, kind of a goofy face, but a, but a big mustache. Dude just hit bombs. Big swing. Yeah. Uh, that is a common, though, but I do get one cent for the mustache. That's a good card. I like that card more than the Mark Grace card because it's Steve Alboni. <laughs> All right, next we've got Matt Young, pitcher for the Dodgers. Uh, came up with the Mariners, spent his first couple of years with the yeah, Mariners. Yeah, I remember Matt Young a little bit. Starter, not that good. <laughs> not that That's good. That's why I only remember him a little bit. <laughs> no mustache, no value. Uh, here we go, Ron Kitty Cat, Ron Kittle. Ah, Mon Pa Kittle. Boy, that is a an odd picture. He is wearing no mustache, first of all, but he's got some of those 80s glasses that players would wear, you know, when they had to actually wear glasses. Yeah. Uh, the wire frames. It looks a lot thinner. I, I th For some reason, I think of him as being a little bit thicker than that. Mm. But uh, from Gary, Indiana, I will not break into the Music Man and Thank sing you. Gary, Indiana for you. Thank you. But just know that I am humming it. Okay. He was traded from the White Sox in 86 with Wayne Tolleson and Joel Skinner to the Yankees for Ron Hassey and Carlos Martinez. Mm. I know all of those names. Yeah, me those too. Those all bring back some memories. 
but he is not worth anything and he is not wearing a mustache. And then my final card is John Marzano, catcher for the Red Sox. That's a rookie card. Oh, a Marzano rookie. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't he play for the Mariners for maybe just like a Mm, he uh, may have brief that, that seems like I remember him with the Mariners. He sounds like a Mariners, you know, later in the career type signing. So get this. John Marzano was the Red Sox number one draft pick in the 84 amateur draft. Huh. I did not know that. I didn't either. Beckett finds no value in him, however, and he is not wearing a mustache. So uh, no value there. Uh, but the damage was done by uh, Mark Grace in particular. And then uh, Rick Shue, I'm going to put right up there. Goose Gossage and Paul O'Neill all did some damage, too. And then who else was it? It was Polonia was worth some yes. couple of cents, too. But that was uh, that was a pretty good pack. That was a butt kick, though. I mean, I, I, I didn't even show up. Yeah, so let's see. We got I got to do math again, which is never a strong suit. Thinking mathematics. Uh, let's see. So that's 85 cents. So the final score is... Uh, Mark 16, Jeff 85 cents. Man. Congratulations all around. Hardy and Man, if you know, if Daryl Strawberry had grown a mustache, I'd have 17 cents. Dang it. Yeah, he usually had a mustache, yeah. but definitely did not in this uh in this card that I can't find. Can I protest this? Oh, never mind. It's fine. Well, you can, but it's a judgment call, <laughs> and uh, as we learned in game 6, well, I already think we already knew that you can't protest a judgment call, uh. but uh there is definitely no no mustache there, but you can, again, catch all this on YouTube. Well, we'll put this up in a couple of days. It takes me a little bit longer to edit this than it does the show, but uh, you can see all of these wonderful cards that we're talking about and just revel in their 80s glory. All right, so that's going to do it for Wax Packs Heroes. Another victory for the uh, good, good, good side of the show. The evil takes another hit that you... That's uh, me. I don't mind being the evil twin. Uh, so the score now stands at Jeff seven and Mark six. Yes. So I have, uh, I think I've won the last three in a row now. I've, I'm on a bit of a hot streak. That must be why I've been suffering from depression so much. I don't want to make any judgments, yeah. but uh, I'd like to remind everybody that uh, you can find us uh, on the internet if just listening to us isn't enough. We are on social media, both uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is T W O Strike Noise. We are also now on YouTube. Just search for uh, Two Strike Noise or Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, also, throw a link to our YouTube channel in the show notes as well. As we mentioned last week, we're kind of a big deal on Twitter. Uh, we were just followed by somebody that we've mentioned here several times. Former Mariner, great Bucky Jacobson, is now following us on Twitter. I love Bucky. Bucky. Bucky's hosting a morning show uh, at KJR now in Seattle. Nice. I didn't know that. Nice. So you can hear more Bucky. Mark, this was a lot of fun. What do you say we turn it around? Because since we're a couple of days late this week, we're going to have to turn it around for our usual... Uh, Tuesday release, but uh, you want to do this again? Yeah, I've actually got some st more stuff I'd like to discuss. So let's do it again. All right. Let's do it again. Right now, let's welcome to... No, oh, man. We'll take a little bit of a break. Yeah. A little bit of a break. Short break. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you again on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.